Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter number 22. This morning we began a, a series that I'll preach over the course of the next five Sundays entitled On Mission. Now, this is not my typical style of preaching. I'm, in, I'm really uncomfortable in this element. I like to take a book of the Bible, which Lord willing, after this series, will be in the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. We're in 1 Samuel on Sunday nights. And we are in the Psalms of Asaph, Psalm 73 through 83 on Wednesday nights. That's my style of preaching. But I find uh, this mission so critical and the growth steps so essential to our future that, that I want to preach sermons on each specific growth step. We'll start with believe next Sunday and work our way on up, commit, connect, grow and serve. I told the church this morning um, that it is the nature of every organization, every company, certainly every church, to drift off mission. We don't naturally stay on mission. We don't naturally stay focused. And so I talked about how Starbucks in 2008 had to totally shut down their restaurants for several hours to retrain their employees how to make coffee because they got, they got distracted and, and weren't doing well anymore. I don't have a, a mission helping people find and follow Jesus because our church is not good at helping people find and follow Jesus. You just saw that, that we've done well at that this past year. Uh, we have done well at that under my dad's leadership for many years. My burden is that I want us to keep doing good at that. I want us to stay that way. I don't want us to drift. And so instead of preaching specifically on this banner here, I'm going to give you an overall message about those banners over there. Because if all we had, you need to understand that, but if all we had was that, then it would just be wall art. There's got to be tangibility. There's got to be a process. There's got to be a system through which we execute that mission. And that's what we're going to be talking about. If this morning's message is more about the mission, tonight's message is going to be talking about the process through which we're going to be committed to staying on mission. And it's four ways. This is four ways for how we can stay on mission all year long and into our future. Here's the first way. For a church to stay on mission, it needs simplicity. Please, please listen. When I say simplicity, I'm not talking about less work. I'm not talking about less effort. I'm talking about more focused effort. There's a big difference between easy and simple. Easy is effortless. Simple is uncomplicated. Helping people to find and follow Jesus will never be easy. We're dealing with people. But it also doesn't need to be complex. I say that because even Jesus, the first ever pastor modeled simplicity in his earthly ministry in Matthew 22. Look at verse 34. But when the Pharisees has heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Look up here for a minute. Let me tell you what's going on before we finish the story. Jesus had just silenced and stumped the Sadducees, a group of religious rulers who tried to corner him with their best arguments. It's not wise to try to corner Jesus. He's usually better than you are at arguing and debating. He is the word. 
So they said, okay, we'll bring our next guys up called the Pharisees. Maybe they can do a better job. And so the Pharisees put one of their, their, their best and smartest guys, a lawyer, in front of Jesus. And he asked him, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Doesn't appear to be a complicated question. There's only 10 commandments, right? Surely you can pick which one out of the 10 is best. But by this time in their religious system, in the religious system of Judaism, they had come up with 613 laws. They chose the number 613 because that was how many separate letters were in the Hebrew text containing the Ten Commandments. They had divided the list into affirmative commandments, do this, and negative commandments, don't do this. There were 200, by this time, 248 affirmative commandments, one for every part of the human body as they understood it at this time. Then there were 365 negative commands, one for each day of the year. It gets more absurd, more complicated. They divided the list into binding commands and non-binding commands. They spent their days then debating whether the divisions were accurate and ranking the, the commands with it, within each division. Here's the point. They made following Jesus really complex. So here's the lawyer, and he's saying, okay, Jesus, out of all 613 commandments, you tell us which one is the greatest. And look what Jesus said in verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, don't miss the significance of that moment. He said all the law. And he added the prophets are summed up in this simple and perfect phrase, love God and love others. Watch this. He wasn't lowering the standard of the law. He was not abolishing it. He was capturing all of its spirit, all of its essence in one statement. He said it all hangs on this. And he summed up, he simplified 613 commands into two. He took the complexity of the law and made it simple. Not easier, but less complicated. And that's what simplicity in our church looks like. It's taking what Jesus has already made simple, the Great Commission. Disciples make disciples. Followers go and help others follow Jesus. He's made that so simple. It's our job, church, to keep it simple. And that's not our tendency. Churches today, their tendency is to make things complex. The more activity, the better. It, it, a lot of churches gauge their effectiveness by how busy their calendars are. How many ministries they have going. Ironically, people today are hungry for simplicity. Because the world is, is so complex, you can get information from, from all kinds of sources at your fingertips. And so people today are craving something simple. They, they are seeking it, they're trying to find it, they'll even pay for it. Companies like Apple know this. You know I like Apple. They're pioneers of simple. They took their logo from being multicolored to being just one color. Their artwork on their products is intentionally simple. Their stores are intentionally subtle. They've made their devices with such a simple interface that young kids can learn them. And even elderly adults can figure them out. Their desktop, which sits proudly on my office desk, has been consolidated into one slim machine. Google knows about the power of simplicity. Look at their, look at, look at their screen. This is the um, homepage. It screams simplicity. Look at all that white space. That's on purpose because when you go and search the World Wide Web, that's pretty complex. Google is very complex. 
When you think about what you can accomplish on Google, so they have made that simple, one bar. Southwest Airlines is North America's most successful and profitable airline, and it has embraced simple. There are no assigned seats, just groups. There are no hubs. The planes fly the shortest distance between two points. In other words, you won't be stopping in Atlanta or, or, or Chicago on every flight. All the simplicity saves the passenger time. It makes the company money. And that's the secular world. But there are two men, one named Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger, who researched churches in America for a living. And they came to the conclusion after researching over 400 churches extensively, I mean, elongated uh, 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 interviews with staff and pastors and members of over 400 churches. And they came to the conclusion, and I can give you a book that proves it, the thriving churches they interviewed were the churches that were without exception less complex and more simple in their approach to ministry. Listen, church, our mission is all about life change. And for us to stay on mission, I'm just urging us to resist making our ministry more complex than it needs to be. Thus, one simple message and mission. Help people find and follow Jesus. Okay, that's where, the, that's, where, that, that's where staying on mission begins. With a commitment to simplicity. Here's the next point. For a church to stay on mission, it needs clarity. If our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus then every single person should clearly know how a person moves from being a new believer to being a spiritually mature believer. There should be clarity among our church membership on how one goes from finding Jesus to truly following Jesus. And that's why we've dealt, developed the five growth steps. Believing, committing, connecting, growing, and serving. What are growth steps? They're defined this way. A simple and strategic process that moves people through the steps of spiritual growth. Now, I'm not saying that, that a process is going to produce spiritual growth. Only God produces spiritual growth. But the growth steps give us a clear guide and plan to make sure we're doing our part to facilitate that spiritual growth. Here's what I like about growth steps being so obvious and clear, is it puts tangibility to our mission. It provides a clear and tangible way to put our mission to action. And I want our system of spiritual growth, watch here, to be so clear that when a lost person walks into Fellowship Baptist Church, they're able to immediately see the steps they need to take in order to find and follow Jesus. When a prospective member visits our church, I want them to see quickly and clearly what our church is about and how we make that happen. When you come faithfully to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I want you to be able to clearly examine your own life to make sure you're where you need to be as a follower of Christ and then be motivated literally every service and guided in how you can help other people find and follow Jesus. Without clarity, that's impossible. Now I'm warning you, you'll probably be sick and tired of hearing me say that our church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. You might get tired of me referring to the growth steps in the years to come, but that's okay because I'm learning that about the time I get tired of talking about it, about the time you get tired of hearing about it, is the time we both start really understanding it. I'm following the advice of a man by the name of Max DePriest. Leadership is like the third grade, he said. It means repeating the significant things. In other words, clarity is not realized without consistency. Helping people find and follow Jesus is not wall art. It is not an annual theme. You will not come in 2022 and have a new banner that has a new mission statement. 
You won't come and have new banners on the side unless we just want to design something fresh. It will always say the same thing. This is what we're going to repeat because we get what we repeat. And I believe that so much that I will repeat it over and over and over until we buy in. Until we are on mission and staying on mission. Speaking of clarity, I think it's a good time to explain to you, and I'll explain it more um, in, in three weeks from now, why we chose to rename our adult fellowship Bible classes uh, to con- connection groups. Um, this year, um, that's our 945 time, if you don't know, uh, kind of a s- small group um, format there. We're going to make a renewed effort in driving the purpose of connection during that time. And one simple way, I think, to remind our church that those groups are primarily for connection above all else is for the name itself to reflect the purpose of the group. So I don't think Adult Fellowship Bible Class is a bad name, but, but here's where it lacked clarity. I, I had to explain to people what they were, what their purpose was. And so if I can find a name that more clearly reflects the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish, that's just good. That's just better. And so we're, we're going to do that. Now, the Bible and discussion of the Bible will still be the fabric of every group. But our overall desire is to create a culture of connection in each group. that will be a, a key part, I believe, in embedding newer families into the life of our church more effectively. I went out to eat with a family not too long ago. And, 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 and they, they weren't complaining. Nothing like that. But they took Jenny and I out for lunch. And, and, and we're kind of having a hard time in some ways finding meaningful connections. And, and you got to understand, if you didn't grow up in Fellowship Baptist Church and you don't have family in Fellowship Baptist Church or co-workers in Fellowship Baptist Church or whatever the case might be, like it can be an intimidating process to come into a church like this that has so much family in it and long-standing members in it and all of that to try to find your way in there. And I'm confident there's someone here that are still don't feel connected. And I want to apologize for that. I hate that. I want you to feel connected. I am confident that our church wants you to feel connected. But we're not the best at that yet. And we're going to use our 945 time um, to do that. I'm, I'm persuaded that based on my conversation with that church family, that, that we can use these classes as a way uh, to kind of assimilate them and, and, and weave them into not just the life of the church, but relationships. And so in three weeks, I'm going to tell you why every single person needs a connection with another believer. It's very important. Uh, in fact, next week, we're going to start a new format um, in, our, in our connection groups um, and we don't know how long we'll do this. It'll definitely go through the duration of this new sermon series I'm preaching over the course of the next six weeks, five weeks. Um, but basically what's going to happen is you're going to be given, if you attend those classes, you're going to be given an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that says, talk it over. And, and what we're going to do, instead of actually teaching a lesson and then discussing just a little bit throughout the lesson, the entire lesson is going to be based on discussion. And the discussion is going to be based upon the previous Sunday morning sermon. And so the Sunday morning sermon I preached this morning, that is going to be the content of our discussion in all our, in, in all our connection groups next Sunday. You'll, you'll be given that talk it over sheet. Uh, I think they have some available tonight. Is that right? And, and, and we will email those out this week as well. We'll have some available on Wednesday. And uh, you'll be given those and, and you can look over those. And, and for those that are reflectors and processors, you'll have enough time to really think through those questions before next Sunday comes. And then we're going to really use the connection group leaders to facilitate some prof- profitable discussion. Um, and that's really what we want to do is, is find ways for more connection. I, I'm going to be preaching an entire message about really why this is important to us in a few weeks. Staying on mission begins with simplicity, continues the clarity. Notice number three. 
um, it needs intentionality. And this is where I'm going to really explain how the growth steps will work. Okay? It, the growth steps are going to work intentionally two ways. Now, follow this. You need this because I, I need you to be on board. Number one, sequential movement. Okay? Remember how, I, how I, I defined our growth steps. It's a simple and strategic process that moves people through the steps of spiritual growth. This movement, I don't know if you can tell with the wall art, but, but it is sequential. It, it, it starts with believe. It, it, you don't get to go and cherry pick whichever one you like best. Um, you don't go on Christ until you're in a relationship with Christ. As a pastoral staff, for a year, we have evaluated and researched these steps extensively in our church. We, we, have, we have written and erased and written and erased and fought over this um, in staff meetings um, brainstormed, painfully brainstormed. Okay, historically in our church, how have people grown? And, and we really believe we nailed it. We really believe we came down after a lot of research and counsel to, to these five steps in this specific order. The reason why I like sequential steps is because it promotes continual growth. It is our tendency to stall out, is it not? Kind of like a guy I read about who was a student at the University of Wisconsin, not for four years, but for 12 years before the university finally made him leave. His name was Johnny Lakner. Johnny was said to dress like a college student, go to college parties for all 12 of those years. In fact, one of his major goals for his final year was to go on two spring break trips. On late night talk shows, Lakner says he just likes college. He enjoys the carefree lifestyle. This is 12 years. The avoidance of real life responsibilities. He said, you know what? I like sleeping late, playing music, going to a couple classes, and then just hanging out with my friends. Staying in the same place is comfortable for Johnny Leitner. That's ridiculous. But are not many Christians just like that? People that are saved but remain in the same place spiritually for not longer than 12 years. They rarely move to greater levels of commitment. Having intentional growth steps, I think, will help us fight the Laker syndrome in Fellowship Baptist Church. It'll give us a guide for how to sequentially move people through a process of spiritual growth. But it doesn't stop there. We've designed strategic programming, if you notice, on the growth step banners. Each step has a program to facilitate that particular step of growth. You believe through our Sunday a.m. service. Now, don't take that wrong. You can believe anywhere. We put Sunday a.m. service because we want you to focus on getting people through the front door on a Sunday morning service. Why? That we are most evangelistic on that day. We do connect cards on that day. Connect cards are the way that, that, that I'm able as a pastor to follow up with folks and, and hopefully share the gospel with them. And so Sunday morning service is the perfect service for them to be introduced to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's going to be a lot of things on the front end of that first banner. A lot of open door events where, where like Trunk or Treat and BBS and, and a bunch of other events that we have in the year. Liberal love events. And, and I want you to get plugged into those activities because what are we trying to do? Get them to a Sunday morning service. And, and then you go on and we're, we're trying to get them to commit. How? Church membership. That's so important. Church membership is vital. Um... I would say this, at Fellowship Baptist Church, we have more people that I'm comfortable with that come but aren't members. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. But I really believe at some point you need to take the step of commitment. Amen. 
I'll tell you why in a couple weeks. Connect. How? Through connection. There's a lot of way to connect, but we're, we're very focused in that 945 time. Grow. How? Through evening service. I can't wait to preach that message because I have seen it so true and real in people's life that when they come on a Sunday night and Wednesday night and they don't just do it to turn over a new leaf on the front of the year, they do it all year long. I have seen exponential spiritual growth and then serving through ministry involvement. Strategic program programming is, is absolutely essential. I'll spend the next five Sundays preaching about each one of those steps and programs. Now, let me give you a little bit of general philosophy about the programs, events, and ministries in our church, and I want you to listen very, very closely. Our programs, the ministries and events that we do, watch here, should only and always be viewed as tools that we use to help people find and follow Jesus. If we're not careful, we won't view programs as tools to accomplish a greater pur purpose or, or, or as a means to an end. We'll view our programs as an end in and of themselves. Our programs, if we're not careful, will become our little G gods. Because we've always done it. We enjoy it. There's sentimental value to it. It doesn't matter if they're no longer effective in helping people to find and follow Jesus. We've always done it, so we're always going to do it. And that's what makes strategic programming terribly difficult. Because it requires us as leadership to ask some hard questions about our current ministries, programs, and events. Um, this question specifically, is this program, ministry, or event effectively helping people find and follow Jesus? We have to ask that question regularly. And if it's not, we have to boldly, courageously cut it out. In, in the church world, they call it slaying sacred cows. By the way, that's been done before in this church. Do you remember when we had a Thursday night visitation program? And all 12 people showed up? Remember that? The 12 people are chuckling. The other 184 is like, I didn't even know we had that. Yeah, exactly. We missed you. My dad finally realized, not effective. So what did he do? Well, we went to two church-wide outreaches a year before our two big evangelistic days. And I can wholeheartedly tell you, it has been proven that two a year we get church-wide involvement. And we literally, every door in liberal two times a year, in one day, every door in liberal gets an invite to Fellowship Baptist Church. And you could put seven years of Thursday nights together and that didn't happen. Somebody had to have courage to change that up. We have first steps. First steps is a, is a way better than the follow-up of Thursday night visitation. First steps is a way where they can get a mentor, a discipler, and, and, and learn about Fellowship Baptist Church in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And it has proven to be incredibly successful. But someone had to have courage to start it. We've slayed the sacred cow in a benevolence ministry called Bread of Life. That was an amazing ministry for many years. We fed... I don't know, over 200 people probably, every third or fourth Saturday of the month, they would come and uh, we, we would work all month long at, at getting these, these food packages together and we would put food in these bags and they would come and they would be prayed with or even share the gospel with, with these folks and they'd come and, and, and they would get groceries. And, and Miss Karen Downs, who's sitting behind my dad, she got saved because of that ministry. 
And it's amazing. That ministry definitely bore, bore some fruit that remains, and we're grateful for that. But there came a time when that ministry ran its course. And my dad had the, the courage to look at that and say, you know what, it ain't fulfilling the mission. It's not fulfilling the mission anymore. So you know what he did with benevolence? He started something called liberal love. You might have heard of it. I got to say, that's still working. But someone had to slay a cow. And I'm going to have to slay one this year. And it's one that I've invested in my whole life. And it's one that truly I've wrestled with. But as of now, we, we will not be doing liberty any longer. Hang with me, please. Don't walk out. When you look at the man hours, I've, led, led, I've been in liberty since I was 14 years old. I've led it for 14 years. When, when you look at the man hours we put into liberty, and people, by the way, if you're not in the choir or the, or the drama or the light team or any of that, you, okay, you have no reason to be mad at that announcement <laughs> until you come in to every practice they come to. And you look at the man hours, and I calculated it up one day, and I wrote it down. I, I gave it at a staff meeting. I forgot what it was, but it's astronomical, the man hours. And then you evaluate with honesty, honesty, over the last 30 years, how that's helped us to accomplish that. And it really hasn't. I hate that. I hate that. I wish it did. It just doesn't. What it, what it does do is draw a lot of already churched people for three nights. And it inspires patriotism in them. And I love that. I love that. Does it not feel good when the military walks down and we honor them and, and, and there, is, there is a place to honor them? I'm not saying that on a July 4th weekend we won't sing that military song and have representatives and, 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 and still keep a, a patriotic spirit in our church. Um, but when you look at the return as compared to the investment, and you, you can talk to any secular company, they, they evaluate return and investment all the time. The, the investment was was far more than the return. Stephen Covey said this, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage pleasantly and unapologetically to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. I have a bigger yes than patriotism. And so should you. It's called evangelism. And we will put our best resources and we will put our best energy not into the United States military, though I love them and support them and have their back but in helping people find and follow Jesus. Steve Jobs said, I am, I am as proud of what we did not do as I am of what we did do. Tim Cook said, we are the most focused company. Speaking of Apple, I'm sorry, I, I got nothing for PC people. We are the most focused company that I know of or have read of or have any knowledge of. Watch this. We say no to good ideas every day. We say no to great ideas in order to keep the amount of things we focus on very small in number so that we can put enormous energy behind the ones we do choose. You could probably put every product on a single eight-foot table that Apple makes, yet Apple's worldwide, and I, that number's wrong. I just looked it up. Apple's, it's way wrong. Apple's worldwide revenue last year was $260 billion. $260 billion. And you can put their products on an eight-foot table. Our desire through strategic programming is not to do less, but to do less better. Amen. Not to work less, but to work harder on less. 
I desire for our church to be ruthlessly focused and effective at helping people find and follow Jesus. And anything about our ministry that doesn't accomplish that purpose or that distracts us from the most effective, me, uh, effective uh, uh, methods of accomplishing that, that distracts us from accomplishing that purpose, listen, it has to be graciously but courageously eliminated. Now, if you have any questions, truthfully, I want to talk to you about those. I have a lot longer explanation of the last three years I've wrestled with the liberty idea. Ask, ask my dad. We could literally, I could talk to you for an hour about how I reasoned out that decision. It wasn't easy. There, I guarantee you there's nobody more invested in that program than I am. And, and that, that, it hurts me in a lot of ways. And I, I think we're going to be okay as a church, or at least it'll prove how much we believe in the real mission. Um, but, but that... That's an important decision. Let me give you one more. For a church to stay on mission, it needs alignment. Church, this is where you come in. The pastoral staff, um, boy, we can work hard at designing a clear mission, a clear process. But, but if we don't have buy-in and alignment across the board from our church members, it won't happen. And th that, is, that is so important to, to realize. The main reason I'll be preaching on, on the next five weeks on these growth steps it's because I want you to gain an understanding of how important each one is both in your life and the lives of those you're going to help find and follow Jesus. Now, let me tell you what this alignment looks like throughout the, the year. Listen closely. There will be meetings with various ministry leaders, various ministry departments, connection group leaders on down the line. And as we evaluate our ministry as it compares to a, a, a effectively accomplishing that mission, there might be some different points of emphasis along the way that we haven't emphasized before. There might be some adjustments made. I'm asking all of you as a church to make a pre-decision that you'll align with where the Lord is taking us. Even if it's different than the way you've always done it. Now, just to put you at ease, I don't anticipate a major shock in our ministry. I have nothing, absolutely nothing under my sleeves that I'm ready to implement as soon as possible. Hear me clearly. I'm not conditioning you tonight for anything. But as we evaluate our mission through the years and our, and our growth steps and their effectiveness, listen, we have to make adjustments. Have you not noticed the last couple of weeks? We got a lot of people coming. And we're growing. And guess what growth means? Change. Growing things always change. Change the way they look. They change the way they operate. You have to or you forfeit the growth. And so as we're making adjustments, as God is sending us people, you need to stay flexible. And I have no, I honestly have no worries that, that, that you won't stay flexible. This church is awesome about that. So stay awesome about that. If you're a ministry leader, um, let me encourage you. You can't be a lone ranger. You, you can't be a maverick ministry leader. There's not one ministry of our church that stands on its own island. Every ministry must align beneath the purpose of helping people find and follow Jesus. Not your purpose. The purpose of Fellowship Baptist Church is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So, 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 so as we tried, and this isn't a fat joke, the best way I can say it, trimming the fat that distracts us from making completely committed followers of Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you from the nursery and up to be aligned to the same Mission. Let me close by, by talking about two famous preachers, George Whitfield and John Wesley. Have you heard of George Whitfield and John Wesley? Yeah. 
Most would say that Whitfield was a superior speaker and preacher. He was known as the phenomenal communicator of his day. Some, particularly those from our theological tradition, would say he preached a more biblically accurate message, and I would agree with that. But years later, as historians would compare the impact of Whitfield's ministry, the better preacher, to Wesley's ministry, they actually discovered that Wesley was more effective. Whitfield showed up and preached. He did so well and faithfully, but, but his ministry was confined to the preaching of the word, which, by the way, we firmly believe is essential. But it was confined to just that, pulpit ministry. Wesley was committed to more than just the event where he would proclaim the message. He worked hard at developing a process that moved people to classes, organized people in groups, and then challenged people to engage the world. So Wesley didn't just preach. He cared about what happened after he preached. He cared about implementing a discipleship process. Wesley understood the power of executing a simple and strategic process over a long period of time as opposed to Whitfield. And it's proven because it's called Methodism today. Now, I love preaching. It's the passion of my heart. It's the centerpiece of our ministry. It's 80% of my day job. But at the end of my ministry, I don't want people to just say that my sermons help them. I want people to say that I help them move to greater levels of commitment to Christ. I want people to say that Fellowship Baptist Church helped them find and follow Jesus. And that's not accomplished through a 45-minute sermon alone. That's accomplished through a ruthless commitment to a clear mission and a simple and strategic process over a long period of time. And I'm asking that you join me in making that happen. I'm asking you to first become a fully committed follower of Christ. And then I'm asking you to help others find and follow Jesus. Would you do that? Would you align beneath this mission? Would you buy into simplicity and not complexity? Would you buy into intentionality and clarity? I want you literally to be able to quote that mission statement over and over and over without thinking about it. I want, I want these five growth steps to become uh, so deep in your heart and fixed in your mind that you know exactly where they are and what they are and what they represent. I want this to become the language of our church, ruthlessly committed to this. Jesus is coming back soon. We can't be distracted. We must be on mission. We must stay on mission. Would you make it your goal this year to help somebody go through those five steps? Wouldn't that be awesome? Would you do that? Nursery workers, would you, would you pick out a visiting mother that, that, that drops off her kid and go and, and, and try, to, try to see if she's saved? And, and then try to, try to get her to commit to the church and connect and grow. Would you do that? Would you view your ministry involvement as an avenue through which you can get somebody to, to find and follow Jesus? That's not my job alone. That's all of our jobs so I'm asking that, that at the end of this service, maybe we all just spend some time in prayer and say, God, give me somebody. Give me somebody that's already coming to this church or give me somebody that I work with or give me somebody that I'm on a, on a community board with. God, give me somebody that I can help find and follow you.
And I hope, I hope by vision night of 2022 that somebody is sitting in this room with you because you aligned yourself beneath that mission. And that is not too, too big to ask God. But it's, it's going to take a burden. It's going to take a focus. It's going to take a commitment to what really matters. And that is making followers of Jesus. We got to be on the same page. Say amen. Stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed.